Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Cheryl Green with us here today, who is a New York native living and dying in Las Vegas since 2008. When a devastating divorce shook her world, she found solace in animal rescue. In 2015, she hosted an event to honor Pele, a very special service dog, and found her true passion. Pot Ford raised $5,000 for the newly formed Hearts Alive Village, and Cheryl was asked to join the rescue. She now serves as the Director of Communications for the organization. She's a professional speaker and the author of Surviving to Thriving, How to Overcome Setbacks and Rock Your Life, Book Writing for Busy People, Once Upon a Bottom Line, Harnessing the Power of Storytelling and Sales, and Do Good to Do Better, The Small Business Guide to Growing Your Business by Helping Nonprofits. A fun fact about Cheryl, she challenged herself to do 365 days of kindness, love, and has been posting on her Facebook page each day. She did a year of gratitude for a few years and, and figured this would be the best way to put some good energy out into the world. She's a proud mom to a beagle lab mix named Akasha? Akasha. Akasha. <laughs> and Chihuahua Corgi mix named Bodhi. She spends her free time hiking, writing, and tending to an absurd number of houseplants. Cheryl, welcome and thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> this is awesome. So Akasha. Where Akasha. 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 Mm-hmm. Tell me about that name. Um, so I'm a recovering goth um, from the years of 1996 to 2002. Um, I wore all black, black nails, black hair, black boots, black coat, and I've seen Marilyn Manson 29 times in concert. Um, so I was kind of obsessed with vampires, and Akasha is the mother of all vampires in the Anne Rice series. Okay, so I have to ask, (laughs) were there any vampire-based TV shows that you really liked that maybe had a a female slayer, a female lead? Uh Mm -hmm. There might have been. Not not hinting at anything, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I was uh, fully up on my Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Absolutely watched every episode of that series. Not just back then, but now it's on Netflix, so I may may or may not have caught up. <laughs> okay, can I be totally selfish, and can we just talk about Buffy for a little bit? Because I've of course in these interviews, and I have not talked about Buffy with one person <laughs> yet, and this is just like birthday cake for me right now. <laughs> Your favorite Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode of all time? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm not prepared for that. I'm going to have to think. Um, I mean, probably when her and Angel hooked up, even though it didn't end up so well. But that was kind of like, you know, all that like teen angst coming to a head and like, oh, yeah, she finally, they finally did it. Um, you know, we all know yeah. how that ended. But um, that might, might be it. But if I think more, I might come up with something else. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you the rest of the conversation that we'll uh... <laughs> And let's see what else I need to ask another Buffy question now. This is totally, I'm sorry, everybody. If you haven't listened or watched, watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It'll change your life. Best probably TV show of all time, easily. And boy, I should just put that out there now. A totally selfish ask. It wouldn't be fun to have Sarah Michelle Geller on here and talk about Buffy. Mm. 
You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, the the ascension at graduation when everybody like teamed up and like became this one force and they all like supported her, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think I think she actually said in an interview that her favorite was the the prom episode. Yeah. Because it was like everybody actually acknowledged her and saw mm-hmm. her and it was and it really is like when you it's a sweet episode, but when you watch it from that context that Sarah Michelle Geller, Buffy, if she picked a favorite episode of seven seasons, that was her favorite. It makes it all the more because I, I think she was saying it is, especially in the prom scenes, everything about Buffy that makes Buffy great is in there. And mm-hmm. it, it really is. It's very sweet. That's awesome. Oh, God. This is like, okay. <laughs> off the rails. Off the rails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the one, more Buffy, one more Buffy question, and then we will we'll switch back to okay. best best. Buffy villain. I'm thinking. Wow. I see like we're like Spike always comes up because he is a villain, but at the same time he's just so awesome. Um, can he be like a favorite villain and a favorite like hero? Yeah, I think like anything where you're putting Spike as a favorite definitely can it's okay in your book credit yeah i think spike <laughs> spike spike carries enough cred that he gets to have whatever he wants to have drusilla was just such a like nut job like she was just a great character but i i don't know yeah i gotta go with spike I yeah i think so too like spike was great <laughs> it was so great yeah drusilla was she was really they did a good job with her like she had that very um she had that kind of, I feel like in different vampire genres, they'll always have that, that vampire, vampire-esque that has mm-hmm. that kind of Drusella essence to her, where she's this strange, like, mysterious. Floaty. Yes, yes. Yeah, yep. Yes. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I've monopolized enough this time about Buffy. We'll have to have a whole other conversation about this later on. I want to switch gears and so you're a speaker author who has a who's found really your passion purpose with working with animals talk to me about that we were talking offhand I asked you the question do you want to focus on people or pets and you mentioned something I think is extraordinarily beautiful and I I I feel like I carry very much the similar sentiment as you is that they're one and the same for you can you expand on that a little bit yeah, um, when I was going through my divorce, um, I, my dog was my constant. Hmm. Um, Akasha, literally, I got her a year after we got married. Oh, not even a year, like four months after we got married, we adopted her. And then when, when I left my marriage, I, I took her with me. And she's, she's been like my confidant. She's been um, my, my tissue. I know that sounds disgusting, but I've cried on this dog so many times that she's just done with me um but i think that that human animal bond is something that we can't ignore and i don't think we should be discounting and i see that a lot i'm going to totally jump all over the place here um but i see that a lot like when we're looking for fundraising you know for funds for the the rescue that i'm with um a lot of people, a lot of groups will only support human causes. And they're really discounting the fact that um, animals are part of our humanity. 
they are what keeps us going. And if you've ever, ever had a pet, um, you know what that connection is. And you know that without that, nothing else is quite the same. Hmm. Um, and, you know, so many people, like, you put that animal first, um, which is why I'm always, that's the point I'm always trying to make with these, you know, fundraising asks and things like that is like, you do realize that these people are not taking care of themselves because they're choosing to take care of their animal. So if we help them take care of their animal, their need for help themselves almost goes away. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think it really makes a lot of sense. And I so relate to the tissue piece. My, my friend had to put down his dog of 10 or 11 years at the end of 2018. And he had had this dog since he's a puppy, got sick. And he's a big dog, really big dog. And I remember that when my dad had died, I would just go down and hold this dog and cry. And he would lay there and he'd let me just hold him and cry into him. And so when I went to say goodbye to him, and he's at the point now where he's blind, he's in pain, he can't see. I went down there and just held him and cried into him one more time. And it was, it was, it was so incredible because I feel like in that moment, you know, he could remember that yeah. exchange we had all those years ago. And it's just, so I get that, you know, I, I really get that. And I think that they hold such an incredible space for us, especially for people when we're so, I think we are so desperately afraid as a species, human beings are of being vulnerable, of being seen, of being, of being uh, risking sharing our true feelings of how we're hurting or what we're going through and all that because we're so terrified of being judged or being ridiculed or that being leveraged against us down the road or weaponized against us. And the thing that animals do or having opening up to someone, I don't know about you, but how many times do you open up to someone who you just want them to listen and they want to try to give you advice and yeah. problem solve and <laughs> you don't want to fix it. Yeah. There you yeah. Like, I don't need it fixed. <laughs> and the way you're trying to fix it is horrible right now. Yeah. <laughs> but with animals, like they just, they really genuinely just get it. And they just love you no matter. And even in those times where it feels like the whole world hates you, or at least the world's closing in on you, they don't care. They, they still love you. So I, I get that. I think that's really incredible. And I love the, that they're part of our humanity. I, I think that they really are. And I would also add to it and suggest that I think they're some of the best parts of our humanity too. They are. They're, they're selfless. They, you know, they don't judge you based on anything. It's just, are you loving me? Are you caring for me? You're awesome. What's the, what's the greatest life lesson you've learned from animals? Um, it, you know, it's funny because I'm actually working on a speech around this. Um, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that you have no idea what an animal has been through. And we have no idea what other people have been through. Hmm. Um, I, one of the events that we put on for the rescue is uh, Family Fern Fun, and it's this huge event. And, you know, I'm one of the organizers, but like the day of, my favorite thing is to go around and just play with all the dogs because, you know, we have thousands of dogs come. And this past year, there was this gorgeous, gorgeous German Shepherd. And I went over and I asked his owner if I could pet him. He said, yes. 
I put my hand out, you know, let him sniff me. And he sniffed me for a couple of seconds. We looked like we were okay. And I went to pet him. We were not okay. Um, he almost took my hand off. Um, but, you know, I wasn't harmed. And I went, cool, no problem, you know. And in my head, I went, I don't know what he's been through. I, you know, I could be, I don't know if I was wearing a hat or, you know, my yeah. hair could be, you know, triggering something. And it was like, if we all treated each other the same way, like if somebody snaps at you, not obviously, big, literally, but if somebody snaps at you, instead of taking that to heart and, you know, attacking them back, if we just thought to ourselves, you know what, I don't know, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what I'm triggering in you and we're cool, you know, have a good day. I'm going to go my merry way. Um, I think it would be a much better place uh, as opposed to really we internalize it and, and then we fight back. That's so true. It's like, we just have this hate, this hesitancy to extend grace to each other. You know, and it's like the, the presumption that everybody should know and understand that the world revolves around me. And because the world revolves around me, it's, it's your responsibility to read my mind, understand what I've been through, and adjust your thoughts, feelings, and everything else in that moment to accommodate me and where I'm at right now. Yeah. We can learn a lot from them. <laughs> Do you find too, like, do you find, because you, you mentioned sticking your hand out and, and, and kind of asking permission mm -hmm. from that German shepherd. Do you find that maybe one of the resistance, resistance people have in allowing us to grow closer or connect more is that we, we, we don't ask permission enough. You know, we, again, we kind of go into it almost assumptively, maybe into mm -hmm. our dynamics or our relationships and, and I feel like a lot of like heartbreaks we have or fallouts we have with people are, are based off of assumptions we've made about that person, that they were going to do X, Y, Z, B, A, B, and C, and, and maybe X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C was who they always were, mm -hmm. but we made the assumption and we didn't ask permission about, you know, getting to know that X, Y, Z, so we just assumed whatever the other letters are. Um, I do think that um, we, we view everything through our own filter, you know, through our own glasses. And we don't take into account that other people see the world differently than we do. Um, so I think we kind of just assume that other people should react and should do the same things that we do and should feel the same way. Um, and we don't communicate it. And it's just, uh, I like what you said, you know, we're expecting them to kind of read our minds. Um, and I think we're all a little bit guilty of that. I know I have entire conversations inside my head and like three quarters of the way through, I'll invite someone else in. Um, and they're like, where did that come from? Like, what is, um, so I don't think that um, it's purposeful or, um, like malevolent or anything like that. I, I, I just think we're, we're all very self-centered. 
I, the world really does revolve around us, like each individual person. And it's really hard to step out of that and say like, huh, you don't live in the same exact world that I do. Um, mm -hmm. Like you are seeing things differently and maybe I have to actually look at it from your, your standpoint. Um, and we were, when we were chatting, we were talking a little bit about um, Queer Eye for the, uh, what is it? Queer Eye more than a makeover now. Yeah. And um, like watching that show has really, um, has really woken me up to a lot of things because I've never had those experiences. I've never had the experience of having to come out to my family and wondering if I'm going to get thrown out. So it's like, I wasn't trying to be self-centered, but I never even realized that that was a thing. Mm. So I, I think we just, we don't take the time to, I don't even know if we can put ourselves in other people's shoes, but we don't take the time to have those conversations and really find out where other people are coming from. Just as an aside, Cheryl and I had been talking about the other day when we first met about Queer Eye for the straight guy. And, or is it called Queer Eye? Is it just Queer, it's queer Eye? Queer more than a makeover now. Yeah, more than a makeover. New, yeah. yeah. So it used to be Queer Eye for the straight guy when it first yeah. started. And now they've expanded it to just a Queer Eye more than a makeover. And it's a show on Netflix that's in its fifth or sixth season, fourth, fifth season, something like that. I am not a fan of shows like this. I just, it's like literally for me, you might as well pull my fingernails out. But Queer Eye is really, really good. It is really good. They do an incredible job of really highlighting the person. And it, and it truly is more than a makeover show. I feel like the makeover piece with, in a traditional sense, is a few minutes. But what they're really doing is they're, they're diving into the humanity of each of the people on there. And really, they tell some beautiful stories in a very short time of the very human experience that different people in different, whether they're business owners or retirees or people who have been widowed or whatnot. And it's in the four or five seasons they've done, I think I've seen the majority of the episodes. And I would say probably every third episode, I am crying happy tears from the stories they tell us that it really is a beautiful yeah. show and they did have one guy adopt a dog because he had lost his dog and yeah, i just right. rewatched that episode and i was like Ugh! that's right and that was the thing that had really broken him wasn't it yeah. it, was, it was the older guy too right that had yeah. the really scraggly kind of yep. beard that was right and i yeah. think didn't that guy started crying too when he yeah yep Oh yeah, boy, yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> oh yeah, I was bawling ugly tears. I mean, it was not pretty over there. <laughs> yeah. Dogs are like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a really, I think that was in the early seasons too, as the season, it was. one of the first seasons. I think that was actually the episode that like, sold me. I was, oh, this is, this is, these guys are doing something really special here with this. You, you, you mentioned something about taking the time to see each other you know, trying to take that time to, to see the world, you know, walk in our shoes, walk in somebody else's shoes, see the world from the other person's perspective. Do you find that when you do that, I shouldn't say do you find, what, what, what do you discover when you do that? What do you discover about other people? What do you discover about the world at large when you do that? Um, I myself end up with a lot more patience. Hmm. Um, 
I, you know, it's funny. I talk about, so sometimes when I speak, I teach storytelling and I talk about emotions and how, you know, some people think we have seven and some people think we have 42 and some people think we have like 600 and, you know, all these different things, but does it matter? Because there's how many billions of people on this planet, even if we have 600 emotions, like there's probably going to be some crossover. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what people don't, don't look at. And if we do get, I don't like the term, put yourself in somebody else's shoes, but at least it's well known. Um, when you do that, I think, I think you've realized that we're all dealing with the same stuff, the same insecurities, the same emotions, the same pain. Um, yeah, it's going to manifest in different ways in different situations. And for some people in entirely different levels. Um, but we're all dealing with the same stuff. And if we expressed it more and we talked about it and shared like, Hey, this is what I'm going through. I think there would be a lot less like attacking. Um, I just, I think people could like approach it differently. And, you know, we were talking right before this about Facebook and the, you know, this one's an idiot and this one, you know, and that the, just the nastiness. And it's like, you could actually sit down and have a conversation and admit, you know what, guys, I'm really freaking scared right now. Yeah. I am. You know, I'm terrified every time I walk outside my door. I don't know how I'm going to take care of my family. Like, if we could actually say that and everybody could be like, oh, yeah, me too. Hmm. You know, I just, I think it would change the quality of relationships and it would create relationships where there currently is nothing but negativity. I feel like that's something animals do so incredibly well too is animals are so incredibly well at just being really authentic with what they're feeling whether it's them being so excited to see you whether that's them being scared of something a noise a sound whether it's them being curious about something we all know they're certainly not shy about sniffing in certain places gonna say i draw the line i'm not butt sniffing it's it's not okay yeah yeah but you know i think it's just yeah i think that's that's the line yeah but you know it is it's such an incredible thing with them too is like i feel there is such to learn because there's like a simplicity in that in that they're looking at the world very much in this sense of like, like i don't know my my read on it is they're looking in this world in very sense i'm curious i'm excited i'm i'm scared i'm happy and i want to demonstrate that yeah you know or i'm going to demonstrate that and you don't you know when people can argue well they don't have the capacity to not and i say well then my argument always back is is why would we want the capacity to right why would we want the capacity to dole down especially the good stuff to to dole down our excitement our love like god imagine if we all got as excited for our loved ones as a dog does when we're gone for only an hour. And the thing is too, is I've often said like, it, it perplexes me how intensely we will mourn people in death, but yet we, and if we could just, if we could just celebrate them with the same intensity in life as we would mourn them in death, how much more incredibly enriched our, our, all of our lives would be. Yet we put almost like a, a, a governor, on that ability to express so deeply, but and animals don't. It's just right there. Yeah, and now you're making me feel bad for yelling at my dog when I come home and he jumps on me. 
but yeah, you know, that's it. And it's like, but then we would probably like, most of us would probably say, gosh, if my, if I came home and my human would be so excited to see me that they would jump, you know, be jumping at me. Yeah. You'd still be married. Like divorces wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. But we don't We're instead we're just like, we've, we've almost, and I feel like even more with social media and stuff, we're getting to this place where we're, we're kind of commoditizing people. And if they don't serve us anymore and they're not meeting our immediate needs, we'll just discard them. We'll unfriend them. We'll shove them aside. You know, and it's, and it's like, we're going, we're going wider, but not deeper with people. So everything exists on the surface level of, are you this? Are you that? Do you believe this? Do you believe that? Do you like this? Do you like that? If not, then. Yeah. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. Shell, tell me a little bit about your, the nonprofit. I just want people to know about it, hear about it, what you guys do, so they know where to find it, everything. Yeah, awesome. So um, Heart to Live Village Las Vegas is, um, we're an animal rescue, but we're more than that. Um, it was started in 2014, and um, it's actually really cool. The founder's daughter had to write this uh, like journal entry for school, and it was, if I had one wish, and she said, I would open an animal rescue and save everything from dogs and cats to cows and pigs. Mm-hmm. And um, her mom got to see this entry at the end of the year and was like, is this what you want to do? And she goes, yeah, but I know it's too hard. And her mom was just like, oh, like I can't have my daughter thinking that going after your dreams is too hard. Um, so she started this rescue. And um, as of this week we're up to I think three thousand one hundred and like sixty animals, um, and that's that's just who we've like physically taken in and you know rehabilitated and adopted out. That's not oh. counting all the animals that we feed, all the animals that we care for uh, medically, and um, that's really become one of the main shifts um, in our organization and really in animal welfare as a whole is it's more than just, you know, like, oh, dog needs a home, cat needs a home, we find them a home. It's why does dog and cat need a home? Like, can we do something to keep them with their family? Hmm. Um, Because a lot of times people are not surrendering their animals to the shelter because they want to. They just don't feel like they have options. They don't have the money for food. They don't have the money to treat them, to take them to the vet. So that's kind of where we've um, really focused our efforts is like, okay, how can we help you? Mm. Like, we don't want this poor animal to have to go through the shelter system. It's terrifying. My, my little dog that I just adopted this year, his paperwork said that he was probably going to need anti-anxiety medication. He's the most chill dog you could ever meet. And he spends like most of the day on my lap cuddling. He was terrified of being in the shelter. So if we can step in there and we can get you food and we can get you, um, you know, a trip to the vet and a surgery that needs to be done and a dental cleaning and whatever it is, then that animal never has to go through that trauma. That family never has to be broken apart. And it's just, you know, it's, it's I'm not going to say it's easier. Um, but it's really the best way to make sure that animals stay with their humans and that they get treated well and that they get what they need. 
because um, I, I know we were talking about this with you. Um, I, <sighs> medical treatment is insane. Veterinary care is absolutely nuts. And we're spending thousands and thousands of dollars on our animals. And that's when you're able to. When you're not, the animal gets put down because it's more, you know, more kind to them than to make them suffer. Or they get surrendered to the shelter thinking that, you know, the parents think they're going to get a better treatment there, which that does not happen. Um, or the pet just suffers. So, um, so really that's what we've, we've come to fill in. Um, our first program was Kendall's Cupboard. It's our pet food pantry. And we've gone from feeding about 200 to 300 pets a month to uh, now during COVID um, and all the whatever it's going to look like after all this passes. Um, I'm in Vegas, so the financial is just a disaster. Let's leave it at that. Um, we're feeding almost 3,000 animals a month. Wow. So, you know, you imagine if we were not in place, these people are either not feeding their animals, surrendering their animals, or they're feeding them and they're not eating so they can take care of them. Um, and our newest thing is we just announced that we're opening a veterinary clinic. So full service clinic. Um, if you need help, you get help. If you can pay some, you pay some. If you can't pay any, we've got a fund that we can take money from. Um, and we don't believe any animal should suffer just because their parents can't pay. What's the best way for people to support you guys? Is it financial? Is it donations in terms of medicine, food, product? What's the best way for people to support? So um, right now, don't, uh, financial is definitely the best way. Um, we do have a veterinary equipment drive going on um, because we are starting to stock our clinic and we need everything from like thermometers all the way up to like a, um, you know, ultrasound machine. Um, so we have created this equipment drive so that you can really like, you can spend as much money as you want, donate as much as you want, but you can see like what you're actually getting for it. Like what, what's actually being brought to us. Um, so that's one way. Um, yeah, financial donations are really the best. Um, we do take in food. Uh, you know, if you've got food, you can drop it off. We're always looking for supplies. Um, we currently have an adoption center and a pet supply store. So that's where the majority of our animals are at the moment. And, you know, we always need cleaning supplies and tissues. We go through a lot of tissues. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've got an Amazon wish list, and um, you can find it pretty much everything on our website, but I, I think you're gonna be putting up some links, right? Yeah, I'll put some links yeah. and then I'll, I'll double check with you. And, and just everyone too, who's watching, listening right now, I'm going to, make a financial donation. And if any of you would like to join me in that, if you would, you know, just put in the comments after you have, or you can message me or something. And that way I can make sure to thank you for that. I think that I, I've gotten to know Cheryl a bit the last few weeks, and I've just been so impressed with her story and the, the depth of compassion she has for these the animals and the stories. And it's just, you know, I think you're all getting the sense of it too, that when you, when you meet someone who genuinely does care and I was telling her beforehand, I feel like, you know, my passion and my, my work is people. And I, outside of that, there's just such a deep desire to help animals and do things for animals. So if anybody wants to, if anybody's resonating with Cheryl and her story and the Hearts of Life group program that she's sharing about, like I am, and you'd like to make some sort of contribution for that, 
it doesn't matter how big or small that is. When you do, just send me a message, let me know, leave a comment, and that way I can reach back out to you and thank you. Cheryl, before I ask my last question, we're running up on time. Where can people find you online? Um, so the rescue is at heartsalivevillage.org. And then you can find me at CherylGreenSpeaks.com, and that's Cheryl with an S. And you can find all my books. Um, I know this is more of like the personal kind of development and, and things like that. Um, but kind of my, my, biggest, uh, my biggest life message, if, if that's a thing, um, is that when you help others, you're actually helping yourself. And it took me a while to realize that that was really my core message. Um, but, you know, I started out, I got through my divorce, my depression, all of that by volunteering. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered that kind of the same thing works in business. You know, those, those brands that stand for more than just making money, that stand for helping, for supporting a cause, those are the ones that really excel, especially now. Um, so yeah, I, I, it took me a while to connect those two things, but it really is when you do for others, you help yourself. That was not your question. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. But that's, uh, I think <laughs> that's the website. Gonna, that sets me up beautifully for my question. So I, first of all, before I ask my last question, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask one other question after that, which will be Buffy related. So I'll just prep you for that. But if you want to, if you're going to have any sort of changes in favorite Buffy episode or any last Buffy tidbit you want to add in, I'll, I'll end with that. But I do want to come back to that what you just shared about when you do for others, you're really doing for yourself. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And I'm curious is just a final question before we do the Buffy one. What is, by doing and giving to others, what is the greatest receipt that you've gotten from that? What is, what is the, the most tangible or meaningful life lesson, life experience that you've taken away from that process? Um, purpose. Hmm. Having a purpose. Um, I went from dead end job to, I'm not going to say dead end because they were decent jobs, but meaningless. I went from one meaningless job to the next. Um, and after my divorce, like I really, I had the opportunity to start over and kind of reevaluate and having spent so much time rescuing. Um, and that really is what got me through everything. Um, I just found a larger sense of purpose. And that is what connects us, whether it's in your personal life or your business life, that's what connects us. And I, I always laugh because my, my rescue family, we all vote differently. We all have different, you know, religious beliefs. We all have different everything. But when it comes down to it, I know that any of us will lay our lives down for an animal. So that having that connection and having that, there is something out there that's bigger than me. That's incredible. Oh. It's really, really incredible. I, I feel like as much as I want to ask about Buffy now, it takes away from <laughs> just how powerful that is. So maybe we'll just save it there. If, if it helps, I was actually going to tie that back to rescue. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Um, I am going to stick with my original or my second answer of the Ascension episode, the graduation episode, but I was going to say that it, it was so powerful for me because 
everyone got involved and everybody had something that they could do to help. And I, you know, a lot of people approach animal rescue that happens to be my cause. It's not everybody's, that's cool. Um, we see this humongous problem with this world and we think, who am I to do anything? You know, I'm, I can't make an impact. And everybody can make an impact. Everybody can do something. And if everybody did something, we wouldn't be facing these problems. So, so grab your torch and uh, slay the monster. <laughs> Everyone, this is a rewatch, re-listen. <laughs> and first of all, let's just give a huge shout out to Cheryl. She just totally took Buffy, turned it into an incredible metaphor about how we can all <laughs> do a little bit more to make the world a better place. Anybody who, who <laughs> can use Buffy as a profound source of teaching <laughs> immediately gets an A with triple pluses in my book. And that is a massive, massive mark of this bit on you for making <laughs> a metaphor like that. But more than that, Buffy stuff aside, which is me being totally selfish, but I know some of you out there are probably closet Buffy fans or maybe not so in the closet. And if not, let's talk more. <laughs> I really want to acknowledge some of the things that Cheryl said today. I love that she does not separate people from pets. I think that's such a beautiful distinction because so often our pets really are our four-legged family members. And for many of us, they are our greatest sources of love, of vulnerability, of strength, of courage, of camaraderie, of friendship. They're the ones who are there with us when some of the people that we, we trust maybe violate the trust. They're the ones that stick by us when some of the people who we love maybe mistreat that love. They're with us through and through. And I think it's a great tragedy in our society that we don't hierarchically necessarily place them that same way. And I see people all this all the time as they will suffer quite profoundly because when they lose a pet, there's a certain grief that goes with it. But because we often place pets below people, that person suffers an additional layer to their grief because they feel like it's not as valid as someone who's lost a person. So I really just appreciate so much so that she gave us all permission to see them as one and the same because I think many of us who do love those little furry furry beings feel that way and sometimes probably even more so than we do about some of the people in our life which is okay I I really think it's quite a beautiful journey she took us on today and to say that when we give to others we really get gosh it's so incredible isn't it true like think about the times that you have given given without expectation and just given whether it was a phone call to check in, whether it was a quick text message of thinking about you, whether it was just that opening the door for someone, not because you thought you should, but just because you wanted to be nice and how it made you feel afterwards. I find time and time again that it seems like it's the seemingly simplest and smallest of things that often become some of the biggest and most meaningful things for so many of us. The idea that there's always more that we can all do, you know, and more doesn't have to be big grandiose things, but that there's specifically a place for you, a place for you that you can contribute more meaningfully, an opportunity for you to give the grace to another human being, right? To see them, not judge them, to take that time to walk in their shoes when why she may not be a fan of that expression. It is an expression that we can all understand and it's, and it's really an invitation to pause before you judge and to see the world through the eyes of another. To consider what their life experiences are and to draw the parallel back to our pets where we don't know the journey of many of the, the animals that we might pick up from a rescue. 
We don't know what traumas or troubles they've been through. And yet we still have the expectation that we'll love. Well, same for our people, right? We still have the expectation that they'll love and accept us, but we often don't give them the grace of entertaining what their journey has been, what traumas or tribulations they've been through. And to consider seeing the world through their eyes, to stand a moment in their shoes and to look at life as they may have experienced and to extend that hand of grace for them so that we might be able to understand them a little bit better and then find a piece of compassion in that. Cheryl, this has been such an absolute blessing. I feel like there's so much more we could go into and so much more we can talk. And just as a reminder, everyone, if you want to make a contribution to Hearts Alive Village, I'm going to certainly do that. And if you do, please leave it in the comments. You can message me privately. Like, I would love to personally thank you for doing that. I'm just so touched by getting to know Cheryl, her mission, her story, and as she said, the end, her purpose. This has been such a blessing, Cheryl. Thank you so very much for sharing with us, for sharing Hearts Alive with us, and for imparting your Buffy the Vampire Slayer wisdom <laughs> with us. What a gift. Thank you. Thank you. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to